Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Brett, sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an eye drop, and I love film. As Roald Dahl once said, those who don't believe in magic will never find it. But it's in the horror section under A for Attenborough. It's got Anthony Hopkins on the front cover. You'll love it. Fair play to Roald Dahl for the shout out to Magic, a forgotten classic. Every week I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests, if you've never heard the show, include Jamila Jamil, Ricky Gervais, January Jones, Catherine Ryan, James Acaster, Scroobius Pip, and even Edward Cullen Gambled. But this week, my special guest is the extremely brilliant comedian and podcaster, Miss Maisie Adams. Announcement! Whoa. On 26th of February, I'll be doing a big live podcast with Mr. Tom Allen from your TV at the Islington Town Hall. You can get your tickets from the Dice app or on the website. Tickets have been selling very well, but grab one while you still can. If you do enjoy this podcast and you want to support it and get more content and a secret from every guest that's been on it, come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. There's extra questions, there's videos, guest list tickets, all sorts of stuff. But really, the shit is this. Each guest has to tell the patrons a secret. And this week's secret from Maisie, oh, it's a dark one. Also, her Patreon answers are incredible. And I really think you should have a look. You won't want to miss it. So, Maisie Adam is an insanely good comedian who only started about three and a half years ago. She's currently touring in Australia. If you're out there, you should go and see her. I've not spent a lot of time with her before we recorded this, but as you will hear, she is one of the most mentally well comedians I have ever met, and she was amazing, and you will love this episode. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 84 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Mr. Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by a comedian, a writer, an actor, a performer, a podcaster, a contributor, a contributor not just to comedy, but to society, (laughs) a person, a scholar, and a legend legend in her own lifetime. And right, please welcome to the show the brilliant 
It's Maisie Adams. Thank you so much. That is the best intro I've ever had. Oh, wow. Well, I'm going to change... Can you change your own Wikipedia page to list all of those things? To your intro from Films to Very Yeah. I think you should. Legend in her own right. Yeah. Yeah. Legend in her own lifetime and right. <laughs> Unusual to be a legend in your own lifetime. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are. Yeah, here we are. You're alive and you're a legend. <laughs> so far. Uh, Maisie Adams, for those of you who don't know, wonderful stand-up. Oh, cheers, Brett. Well, I'd heard a lot about you. Oh, I'd heard stories. The legend has spread. <laughs> People said... The rumour mill had been people going. People said, you've got to see Maisie Adams. I said, come on. <laughs> it can't be that good. And then I had a gig with you and I was like, bloody hell, You're proved good. right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She was very good, this one. How long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, three and a bit years. Bloody hell, that's disgusting. Three and a bit years, yeah. Disgusting. It's weird. I still feel sort of imposter syndrome, a bit new and a bit... Yeah. First. I feel like I'm on work experience the whole time. That's yeah. I don't know that that goes away. <laughs> really? Yeah, okay, yeah. that's good to know. But uh, the truthfully, you know, what I think I bloody tell you. <laughs> I think that stand up it takes it takes as long as it takes, and for some yeah. people they find their voice mm. very very quickly. And some people it takes. I know people who are like really good after twelve years, but this for twelve the years thing. they were shit. But you I just... also think stand up. The more I've been in it, the yeah. more I've realised there's sort of these unwritten rules. That because I'm quite new, I wasn't aware of, and I think that's gone in my favour. So a lot of, I think, you hear a lot of people going, oh, say, take Edinburgh, for example, they'll go up and do half an hour for three years and then do 45, then do a split. I I just didn't think that was even an option. So I just thought, yeah, when when you go up to Edinburgh, you go and do an hour. So a lot of people, I remember being like, you're doing your hour already? And I was like, well, yeah, because... Yeah. I've I've won a competition where the prize is a run. I don't want to share that with someone who's not who's not won that competition either. Do you know what I mean? So, wow. um, so your first year was your first hour. Yeah, I won. So you think you're funny in August 2017 and went up the next year. That is but I didn't think that that was strange. I thought that was what I was meant to do. Yeah. So you're right. I think you just take it. God, I love with that. each person, don't you, really? I often read things about the power of uh, positive thinking and then I read, like, science people going, it's all bullshit, it doesn't no. help. I think if you tell someone, yeah, you're meant to do an hour, they'll yeah. go and do an hour and it'll be mm-hmm. brilliant. I think if, if I'd have been told, oh, and you can go at your own pace, because what a lot of people do is you yeah. do half an hour and then you can work up to 40, I would have done that. Yeah. I would have thought, oh, that's what I'm meant to do. You'd have wasted all those yeah. years when you were ready. I don't want to take a year to write ten more minutes. She says, yes. I'm definitely at that point at the moment. <laughs> How many? You've done two hours, haven't you? Two hours, yes. I did my first one, 2018, and then I've just finished touring my one from this year. Touring. I'm going to go and do number three. I'm going to do Edinburgh 2020. Yeah. And then I'm going to have a year off. Yeah, I'm going to retire. I'm going to do a Hannah Gadsby. <laughs> going to say I'm retiring so that it goes really well, and, and then, then I come back. Keep. Keep doing it. I'm going to be like the Rolling Stones of comedy. Everyone will be like, how is she still doing it? She's ancient. <laughs> she quit. Yeah. Um, do you ever have gigs where you're completely overwhelmed and like, fuck, I don't know how to handle this, I don't know what this is. Do you ever have that? Not ones where I'm totally overwhelmed, but ones where I think, oh, maybe I've been fluky when I've been good. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, just, just those ones where you you think you're not getting what I'm saying and yeah. I'm not getting why you're sat there in silence. And it's just, it's like a bad date. You go, it this, is isn't, day, this yeah. isn't working and there's kind of no point yeah. 
trying to pretend it is. Does what that? If, are you good at that? Uh, mentally handling that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you'll have heard this one, but the Sarah Millican rule of you don't whether you have a, a smashing yeah. gig or a terrible gig, you don't think about it past eleven a.m. the next morning. Yeah. I've, I remember hearing that about two months into doing comedy, and it stuck with me, yeah. especially with this tour. Because there'd be some dates where I'd come out thinking, it is only a matter of time before I take over from Conan. Like, <laughs> it's only a matter of time until I get my Netflix special. And then there was some that I'd come out of and go, I don't actually think that was funny. I think I just did a TED Talk. <laughs> I think I just did a TED Talk and people are angry because they didn't <laughs> laugh at any of it. Um, I think if you overthink those... Mm. I know comics who who do overthink them and don't just put it aside. And you can see it... it bothers them and it eats away at that and it, it affects their act yeah because they go into the next one with the last one in their head and i think you just need to go into it again if you had a bad day you wouldn't go into the next one or you shouldn't go into the next yeah. one being like oh Take they're gonna it. be like the weirdo from last time and just got to give it the benefit of the doubt i mean this is very like good mental health it is isn't it yeah it's come very... where's that come from have you always been like this um you've got good self-esteem <laughs> I feel like I'm now just being like a real cocky little shit. Or no, something. no, I, I, I don't I, know. I, th- I just think it's really. I wish it. Yeah, I think. I mean, I'm also new, so maybe in in five years, <laughs> I'll be like, it's horrible, and no, sometimes I... I don't know why I bother. But at the moment, the way I see it is that I get to do a job that I really love, yeah. and if the downsides of that are that occasionally you have a stinker. But you know it's not down to anything... You know it's down to something you've done, but it's not down to anything detrimental about your act or your comedy because I have more good gigs than I have yeah. bad. And without sounding like a cocky little shit, I have a lot more good yeah, gigs. Yeah. It's not like a 60-40 ratio. It's, it's, yeah. it's, by and large, a good time. And then I think also it's quite good to have them ones to keep you grounded. You don't want to get cocky, do you, and, and think I'm the best thing since sliced bread. You're the Buddha. I'm the Buddha. This is the wisest shit I've ever heard. It's not worth getting het up about. I mean, yes. Do you know what I mean? In theory, I 100% agree. My mum's quite a... I always say my mum, she she won't... I I don't think she'll listen to this because she doesn't really understand podcasts. But... um, She doesn't know where they are. No, she doesn't really get it. And I always say she'd be the worst person to talk about mental health because obviously it's a great time at the moment. Everybody's a lot... Very open with it. But my mum's mantra, and I do have to credit her as to probably why I'm so calm, is just get a grip. And she, <laughs> yeah. so if I came home and said I had a bad gig, yeah. she'd, she'd let me vent about it. But then if I was still venting about it the next morning, she'd go, listen, you had a bad gig, get a grip and go yeah. out. You know, those people that are paying money for tonight's gig don't want to hear about your sob story from last night. Yeah. Because their money has been... This might be their one night out of the month. And you so, wasted it. Yeah, and you yeah. can't you can't turn up having a pity party about the fact that Banbury didn't like you because Bristol might think you're the best thing ever. So, <laughs> yeah, my mum's quite stern with the whole pity party and just just take it calm and just take it each day. Don't don't have these huge milestones because yeah. it never works out that way. Which was quoted in Parasite last night. Yes. You know, you've seen it, yeah? I have seen Parasite. So We're having this discussion oh, the goodness. day after the Oscars mm-hmm. for the listener. I don't know when this will go out. No. But, uh, so it's the morning after. I saw it last night. It's the first time the cinema's been sold out. 
But that's what reminded me is he says in that film, the dad, doesn't he? He says yeah. it's pointless to make a plan because it never goes the way you think. And I think, sure, have goals, but don't... I think I agreed with him. Don't, don't plan. I was so happy Parasite won. Me too. So it was, happy. It's such an unusual... I saw one of the other big contenders and I thought they were all great, but me and my boyfriend go and see a lot of films. We've got a really beautiful cinema cinema at the end of our road, like a proper uh, Brighton, and it's the Duke of York's old picture house. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. So just just the bottom of my road. So we go there a lot, and with all of the big ones from this year, we turned to each other and went, that was good. And with Parasite, we sat as the credits were on, just stayed sat going, oh my God. And I actually said to him on our walk home, it's a bad reflection on me, but I actually think a bad reflection on, you know, we've, there's been lots of conversations about the Oscars and, and the mm. film industry, but I just assumed it wouldn't win. Yeah. And I, I was saying to Mike on our walk home, I said, it's really sad that that won't win Best Picture, that it's mm. the underdog and the nomination is probably as much as it's going to get. And it will go to, don't get me wrong, 1917, great film, yeah. but there's a lot of stories like that and there's a lot of films... With that, yeah, I thought nineteen seventeen was great, but I thought it was great as Dunkirk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, and Parasite, I've not seen a film like it, and I think for a, a film to be a subtitled foreign language film to win Best Picture, yeah, in a ceremony that was so marked by lack of diversity, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great, and I've really enjoyed Twitter today of just seeing all of the Joker fans getting in the right mood about it. <laughs> Joker was great as well, though. Yeah. They're all great, but Parasite was the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Parasite's fucking brilliant. It's good, isn't it? It's so good, and it does the thing of, like, a bit like Get Out does, which I think is very rare, where it's like, Parasite is deep, and it's about very serious things, and yeah. it's about all these things, but it's fucking fun, and yeah. it's a ride. you laugh, you and laugh. it's exciting, and you... you've no idea, and it's surprising, and it's scary, and, and it's weird. And you think about it all the way home. You think yeah. about all the things... Did you know anything about it going in? No. No, me neither. I thought from the poster it was a horror, and that's all I knew. That's that's the only thing I knew. I thought it was a horror, which I guess in moments it is, and then in moments, you're right, it's it's a thriller, and in moments it's a comedy. It's it's great. Oh, Maisie. What? I forgot to tell you something. Oh, no, what? Oh, shit. What? Fuck, this is ridiculous. I didn't tell you this up top. I should have told you when you got here. And you were, ugh. What? I'm such an idiot. Oh, just, uh, I'll just say it. I hope you'll be all right with it. But um, I'll just say it. You've, uh, you, you've died. Oh. You've died. Oh, no. Yeah. How did I die? You tell me. How did you die? Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. This weather. Yeah. I drowned. In Storm Chiara? Yeah. I st- Storm Chiara won, Maisie Adam nil. <laughs> What happened? That's what happened. Like Parasite, it just was too much, <gasps> and my little Brighton semi-basement couldn't take it. And what, what, and, uh, what were you sleeping? I was... I was. What was I sleeping? Were, were you asleep in your... No, 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 I was, I was there just writing some 10 out of 10 comedy. Yeah, I believe uh, to that. To get Banbury back on side. Yeah. And it just kept, it just kept coming through. It was like, by the end, it was like, uh, you know, in Titanic when the water's rising up. Yeah. That. Yeah, and just... Couldn't, couldn't get out. Where was your boyfriend? Oh, he fucked off. Got a canoe. Right. Got a canoe. Left you. He's, yeah. Living some life in Cuba now. With is a he? Hot blonde totty. Is he happy? He'll say he is, but he's not. I'll go and haunt him. So you died by drowning mm-hmm. in, your, in your own study? My own study. Yeah. Drowning in both 
water and comedy. And creativity. And creativity. It was my comedy that killed. I guess I'll find out when I come to get your body, but... Will the papers that you were writing, do you think that they'll be ruined by the water or they'll survive the comedy? No, I always write on waterproof paper. Fantastic. I've seen this, okay. yeah. As soon as, that, as soon as that amber weather warning yeah. came through, you I went thought, back to waterproof I'm not sheets. risking this. Great. Waterproof sheets and waterproof ink. Do you have a, a person in mind you'd like to do your comedy at your funeral? Uh, of the waterproof paper? Yep, Roy Chubby Brown. I... Like, I think he's the only person. I think he's the only person who's capable of really assessing the mood in the room and being respectful and sensitive of that. Yes, and as much as people say you're an original voice in comedy, I think it's very obvious who you're emulating. But I take my, my, my comedy skills from Roy Chubby Brown. Yeah, so he'll yeah. fit right into your rhythms. Yeah. I'm often introduced as the female chubby. <laughs> Do you worry about death? Do you know what? Genuinely, yeah. 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 I do, I've given you that whole spiel of like, oh, it's not worth getting heads up about yeah. stuff, but death terrifies really? me. Yeah, it's just the permanency of it. I don't get a tattoo because it's permanent. Once you're gone, you're gone. And there's no one who's like been able to be like, oh, I'll go and tell you what it's like. Mm. You don't. You just got people going, oh, yeah, I've seen a ghost, but you just take their word for it. That's what I mean. Is that yeah. It's just all on word on what happens. There's no fact. Mm. And that scares me. We know everything about this world. We know everything of what happens. But when you die, no one's actually got a solid hard fact of whether, I don't know, a spirit lives on or a personality or, or what. It's just very scary. It's scary to think that this, in 100 years' time, you and I will be gone. Mm. This room, like, might not even be this room anymore. Podcasts, what were they? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. It's mad. Your mum never found them. No, my mum never found them. My mum will still be there going, get a grip. (laughs) Get a grip. Um, 155. Does it scare you every day? No, 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 not every day. You you know, like every now and then you'll just think about it. Just every now and then, if I'm I'm lying awake at night, I'll just start thinking about it. And then I I freak myself out, so I have to think about something else. I'll watch a film or I'll put some music on. Right. And then a, a, a song will come on by someone who's died. And I'll be like, oh, back to thinking about death. But does that not mean anything to you, the fact that, that that person that is dead, there is something of them living on, or do you not see it there? Yeah, I know what you mean, like that whole legacy sort of thing, yeah. yeah. But you think they're not there to enjoy it, they're dead. That's what I mean. I was, I was having this conversation the other day about posthumous albums. Yes. When Amy Winehouse died, yeah. they took all of her like back catalogue from every song she'd sang <clears> in the <throat> studio and put out this album that I think is a good album, Lioness. And some of the songs, it was apparent that she was pretty much near enough ready to release. Right. And others, you think, I don't even know if she was aware it was recording. I think she was just having a little... Se- Not that they're bad, but it yeah. just feels too... She the songs feel too job. raw. They feel a little bit... And I guess the diehard fans are like, oh, that's why we like it, because, mm. you know, we get to hear a... But I think the whole point of an album, like a film... The director or the singer has intended for it to sound a certain way, so I, f- I find it uncomfortable. Mm. Posthumous releases, because you think, how can you know for sure that that's how they wanted it? All this new stuff of Prince uh, that they found. Prince, can't Prince stop was releasing. the ultimate perfectionist. So how can you release something yeah. and know confidently that he wasn't going to go? No, you need to change the the tempo yeah. on that, you need to change the, the drums on this. Like, he would have been so specific with it, to the yeah. point where it probably would have sounded like a different record. 
I always wonder if Eyes Wide Shut was intended to be that boring. <laughs> Do you not like Eyes Wide Shut? It's just, I don't know if that's what he meant. Did he mean for it to be that boring? It, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it, that one? <laughs> did, did, like, it might have done because some of his films are boring, but I don't know. <laughs> but that one is a real... You're constantly checking your watch, going, it's 30 minutes left, something yeah. must happen. Yeah, he's still just wandering around the street while yeah. someone plays one note on a piano over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> I thought this was going to be a sex film. Yeah, it's really strange, that film. Yeah. Our, our classes got cancelled at uni one day, and the student union put a sign as we were walking back to the halls of residence, being like, we're showing Eyes Wide Shut as part of our Stanley Kubrick season. Mm. Uh, come in, we've got free beer and free popcorn. So we went in, me and my two friends, and we were the only people who turned up. So we were like, great, free beer, free popcorn. The film was the worst aspect of it. Yeah. That's how they get you. It was awful. They knew what they were doing. We just sat on the beanbags like, I'd actually rather class wasn't cancelled. Yeah. If it was a fun film, there would have been no free beer and free popcorn. No, no. They knew we're going to have to make... We've got, oh, what? We'll oh, we've got his eyes wide shut, we're going to have to make the beer free. <laughs> no one will come see that. <laughs> Do you think there's an afterlife? <laughs> Again, I'm wary of if my family hear this. They're staunch Catholics, oh, right. so I feel like my head is inclined to go, yes, of course there is, because yeah. that is what we're taught. But deep down, I don't know. Atheism freaks me out. Yeah. That sheer boldness to go, there's definitely not. Yeah. Because without sounding like a hippie, sort of like I'm speaking the words of Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World, but if you look around, I think it's there's so many... Yeah, it's science and all that, but so much that's, that is amazing that I think like, it can't just all be atoms coming together to make this. There's yeah. got to be something a bit more divine or something like that. But then I hear myself say that and I go, oh, no, you're stupid. Obviously, it's all fact and we just go and we rot and that's that's that. But I don't think so. I think stuff happens sometimes in life that I think maybe it is you romanticising it, but sometimes things happen and I go, oh, my granddad sorted that. He, he's done that from up there. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's mad. But um, I, I think there's something. I don't think when you and I go, it'll be, that's that. No, it's I think you and me particularly. Just you and me. Yeah, yeah everyone else, they, they just <laughs> rot. Oh, yeah, it's Maggot Central, everyone yeah. else. But you but and you I... you and me, yeah, yeah, we're having a right outside. Yeah, yeah, we just, we just carry on going to the cinema and seeing films and... I mean, it. you're not far off. No, no, trying uh, new material yeah. every now and then. Yeah. But I think it's better to be hopeful that there is than sceptical and antagonistic and... and yeah. yeah, don't be a dick about it. That's what I mean. I've never met an atheist that's like, I don't think Chill. there is an afterlife and I'm OK with that. They're uh, always yeah. like... I don't think there's anything after this, and quite frankly, you're stupid if yeah. you do. And here's some boring facts. <laughs> <sighs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Well, lucky for us, there is an afterlife. There's a heaven. And you're right, you and me are in it. Yeah. And there's cinemas everywhere, nice ones, like the Duke of York. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice seats. Nice, lovely mm-hmm. popcorn. Yeah, Bit. popcorn's so good. Sweet or salted? What'd you go? Mixed. No, you don't. Yes, oh, I you do. wet flannel. What do you do? Pick a side, Brett. Well, right, I'm thinking salt then. Yes, salt. Okay, no, salt, and therefore you have to go for a large drink because otherwise it's a very yeah. parched film. Yeah. You want to go medium salt popcorn, large drink. Look, sometimes I'm wanting salt. Sometimes I want to mix it up a bit. Listen, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be held down to one thing. No. This is the rest of time. Um, in this heaven, mm-hmm. they're obsessed with films like you and me. Yeah. And all they want to know about is your life. Through the medium of film. Oh, I love this. Yeah. This is heaven. And the first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing? 
Okay, so it's a Christmas film. Nice. And it's Christmas maybe 1999. Okay. I'd be about five years old. Okay. It's Home Alone. That is your first film? Home Alone is the first film I remember. Bloody hell. Yeah. Who are you with? Granny and Grandpa. So they live... So this is so typical Northern family. We all lived on the same road. So my family <laughs> lives at 97. Directly yeah. opposite was my Nana and Grandpa's. And then round the corner at number 20 was Granny and Grandpa. So growing up in the North is a lot like being in the sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond. Absolutely, absolutely. We all just leave our front doors open and wander in and out of each people's house, occasionally bringing in a hot pot. Where was this? Uh, it's in a village called Panel in North Yorkshire. Nice. Uh, me and my little brother used to spend, like, Wednesdays... How many brothers and sisters? I've got a younger brother, Danny. Close? That's it. Yeah, really close. Yeah, oh, he's four younger. years younger. OK. And so, yeah, he'd have been tiny... But uh, my mum and dad both worked, like, long hours, so we spent a lot of time at Granny and Grandpa's or Nana and Grandpa's. Yeah, and uh, my Grandpa's loved videos. He, he loved them. Yeah. Uh, this is VHS as well, so they took up a, a lot of room. Like, that's the one thing I'm, I'm thinking of. Like, I, yeah. I grew up with DVDs, but to VHS, that's storage, that, isn't it? It is storage. Who's got enough room for all of those? It's a vault, isn't it? So um, Home Alone was was the one. It was it was just brilliant. He had uh, that, and he had number two as like a double. You'd open the VHS box, and it was a, a tape on each side. Yeah. yeah, and we just loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. You'd just watch it, and then turn the dial at the end back to the start and watch it again. It was uh, great. Loved it. Uh, do you prefer one or two? I actually prefer two. Why so? Lost in New York. Mm-hmm. Who, who's not mistaken their dad for a man in the same coat at the airport and boarded an entire flight because of it? Uh, it's a certainly uh, a thing that has happened. I'm a big fan of the fashion and the aesthetic in it. Kevin's mum's got a new haircut mm-hmm. uh, that take, must take three cans of Elnet just to keep it in place. Um, <laughs> I loved it. There's, there's like four Home Alone films, isn't there? Yeah. But only the two with Macaulay Culkin actually count. I'd agree with that. Three and four. It's like Jaws. Yeah. Jaws, one and two. Like two, you'll let slide. Once it gets to the one where it's like set in an aquarium, you think... You know what? That is also true of Psycho. Yes. one and two. Yeah, yeah, one and two. Okay, and then... Then silly. Don't Yeah, don't take it any further. Psycho three, this is silly. (laughs) (laughs) I've not seen Psycho three. I have only just seen one and two. Well, don't worry. It's the Home Alone three of Psycho. Is it? Yeah. Is it? That's great. Yeah, Home Alone was was brilliant, and and we it's 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 great because it's so quotable as well, isn't it? Mm. It's uh, it's really funny. I really like it. It's really really funny because you said it's great because it's so quotable, and then paused for ages and looked in the air as if going, oh, I can't remember. No, I couldn't time. pick which one to do. My my immediately one is to just it's like unforgettable. Put my um, hands on my face and go. Kevin! Yeah. Like, every time she forgets where he is. The Uncle Frank, the horrendous uncle, who's <laughs> like, she realises that she's left him on the plane, uh, she, that she's left him home alone, and he's like, if it makes you feel any better, I forgot my reading glasses. What a great guy. What a great guy. <laughs> Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. What a great... Oh. Also, yeah. like, it's the first time I realised my brother's not that bad, because Kevin's family yeah. are dog shit. Yeah. He's got the worst siblings an extended family ever. His older brother Buzz is a dick. His Why does cousins, he want them back? Literally. Yeah. Well, like, obviously he celebrates as soon as he realises that yeah. they've gone h- away. But, like, genuinely, I just used to turn and look at my brother and think, oh, maybe it's not so bad. Wow. Home Alone changed the relationship with your brother? Yeah, I think 
it did. I think me and my, I think me and Danny are close because of Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> because of Kevin McAllister's yeah. awful extended family. Yeah. That's beautiful. What's the film that made you cry the most? Oh, it is Macaulay Culkin again. Okay. It's the last Macaulay Culkin of the one. My girl. My girl. Yeah. Oh, when she goes up to the casket. Mm. Also, who the fuck has a dead kid and decides to have an open casket and let the kid's best friend mm. go up to it? That is very bad parenting. I know mm. her dad's a funeral director, but like, just no. Yeah. <laughs> and she goes up to him and she says that whole. Oh, she goes, "Where's his glasses? He can't see without his glasses." Uh, and that's the bit uh, where I just. Oh, it's. And I love the girl's character in that. She's brilliant. Mm. She's so, so good. She's she's so sassy. And the way he dotes on her, Thomas J, it's just a beautiful film. It's really, really beautiful. Do you cry in a lot? I cry loads in films and very little in life. Maisie Adams with very simple. Really? Yeah. So to the point where my mum and dad are like, you're so cold. Mm. Like, I will not cry at anything to do with life. Yeah. But... But whack it, whack a screen in front of it. Oh, honestly, the the other two that I was thinking about, aside from my girl, were both dog films. <laughs> Shiloh, do you remember Shiloh? It was proper nineties film. Really, quite. I imagine if I watched it now, I'd be quite poor. Right. About this lad who like gets to know a dog really well, and then the dog like gets taken back by his owner, and the owner has a change of heart and is like, oh no, because the owner's horrible. Right. And the owner uh, it ends with. Um, him driving away, the owner driving away with the dog in the back, the dog's looking out the back window at this kid who's made a real bond with this dog. And he stops and he has a change of heart and he opens his door and tells the dog to get out and the dog gets out and runs down this road to the kid. And I just would be like, mm. in bits. Homeward Bound, the same thing. Oh, I love Homeward when they Bound. When they emerge out the bush at the end. Both Homeward Bounds are excellent. There's two Homeward Bounds? Yeah. What? They're both really good. No. Nah. And even Homeward Bound 2. Shut up. There's, the, not, there's yeah. not a Homeward Bound 2. The, the Homeward Bound series. This is going to be like George uh, Psycho and Home Alone. Yeah. Is there a really not bad done a three. Homeward Bound 4? No, they knew the rules. They stopped at 2. Yeah, that's great. I love yeah. that one. And I, I cry at the bit when they come out the woods at the yeah. end, but also when the, when the Golden Retriever slips and he's yeah. like, you go on without me. <sighs> That ruined me, that. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll cry at a film with dogs. I've never watched Marley and Me because I know... No way. I know it would, no it would ruin me. No, I'm not fucking going anywhere no, near that. I know that he dies at the end and I don't want that. No. I don't want that in my life. No. But I very rarely cry in real life. What's the film that scared you the most? There's only one film that I've not seen until the end because I've been so scared. But okay. I'd like to point out that I think if I watched it now, I'd be OK with it. OK. She says... It's The Ring. Okay. Which apparently isn't even that scary. The original or the American one, Gorbinski, with Naomi Watts? Oh, my God, no. Yes, this one, the American okay. one. There's right. two... Am I going to say all of these films and you'll be like, the, the original one? Or <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about The Ring 3? Yeah. Uh, the, the American one. Okay. When I was in school, mm-hmm. the two big horror movies were The Ring and The Grudge. Yeah. And I watched The Grudge... And pretty much laughed all the way through it. I, I didn't think it was scary at all. Right. So I got quite cocky. And I had a friend round for a sleepover and we were like, let's watch The Ring. And we got so scared. We only made it till when the horse jumps off the boat. Right. And we still had about an hour left, I think. <laughs> and That's we were like, early. let's not let's not continue this. And we had to stay up all night with the lights on. 
because we, we were sleeping in the lounge and we'd mm. done that whole thing of making it look like a movie cinema, drawing the curtains. Nice. And we had to put all the wind, uh, all the lights on and just stay up. And then when it was daytime, my mum and dad were moving around the house the next day. We thought, should we give it another go? So we press play again. And even in broad daylight, we couldn't. We were like, no, let's just, let's just call it a day there. So I've, I've never actually known the ending to that what? thing. But it was the thing of her coming out of the TV, the fact yeah. you couldn't see her face the way she crawled out the well, just the the tension was yeah. was very, very scary. Very scary. It, and it was seemingly quite real. Yeah. I don't really get scared by horror movies. Like, if it's zombies, I won't really get into it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas this seemed like a sort of... Cur- like, anything like Paranormal Activity, A Cursed House... Yeah. Where you're like, where they yeah, all seem, real. where it all seems like a really normal life. And they all, yeah. you know, they're not weird to begin with. They're normal people. That's what gets me. Do you get scared now? Yeah. Do you like going to horror films now? Yeah, because I like getting scared. Yeah. Mm. But I'm terrible with them. So yeah. like the big ones, you know, Insidious recently yeah. and, and just, they, they do terrify me. I'm really, really jumpy. Oh, great. Really jumpy. So I don't like going to see them in the cinema because I'll know I'll distract people because I will, woo, all of that, yeah. But, I, listen, I got, I'm very, like, you know, strict with cinema. I don't like people talking, making noise. Mm-hmm. Been a horror film, love it if I'm with someone who jumps and really? screams. Yeah, it's quite, you know, there's, you could add to it. I'm so jumpy. I'm so jumpy. Like, my phone will go off and I'll, I'll go, woo, like, it's, it's really bad. <laughs> you remember that Catherine Tate sketch where that woman yes. was just made? Uh, that is me. Yeah. I... I I'm terrified the whole time. I love it. Yeah. What film do critics not like? It's generally considered a bad movie, <laughs> but you love it unequivocally. Unequivocally. Yeah. That would be the James Bond film, Die Another Day. Lovely answer. That's so, if that... Uh, just to car refresh one. people, it's the invisible car one. It's the one uh, where it's mainly on ice yep. for the 70% of the film. Yeah. It's the one where Pierce Brosnan starts off in Korea, I think, and mm-hmm. he's traded and he's all hairy and long-haired. Yeah. Uh, Madonna did the soundtrack and it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madonna also makes a cameo in it as a fencing instructor. Yeah. Yep. The Invisible Car, when me and my brother watched that, we thought that was the coolest thing we'd ever seen. And even now, when we watch it back and we grown up and were like, okay, yeah, that probably was stupid that a James Bond film put yeah. a, a, a kind of... I thought it was a really good Bond film. I was on the edge of my seat more so than I was for Spectre. Yeah, Spectre's... I'm not saying anything against the no. recent ones. I think Skyfall is the best one. But Die Another Day, I don't think, is as bad as people... I think, I think people's main issue with Die Another Day was the invisible car. Yeah. And therefore class the whole thing as a terrible film. I think it's a good film with one ridiculous element in it. I think it's interesting that people got upset about The Invisible Car. Like, it's such a fine line when you go, like, what, you were all happy with your exploding pen and your secret right. button you stick up your bum that blows yeah. up your house. Yeah, yeah. But An Invisible Car, now it's silly. Uh-huh. uh-huh. All those early ones from, like, the, the 70s, the 60s and 70s Bond ones, where he can suddenly just ski and do all of these ridiculous... Things come off a, a cliff and there's a par- he, yeah. he's immediately got a parachute. I find that as hard to believe as an invisible car. Listen, 
I'm with you. I don't see what's so silly about an invisible car. Technology we're talking being about what it the, is. We're talking about the invisible car the same way we spoke about the afterlife. <laughs> I'm not saying there's not such thing as an yeah, invisible car. I think people who are so sure that there's no invisible car <laughs> make me sick. They're always dicks about it. Yeah. How can you know there's no such thing? Yeah. You wouldn't, because it's invisible. It's invisible. Thank you. Can you sing the song? <laughs> the Madonna song? Yeah. Well, it's very Madonna. It's very tech, so it's just like... It just goes... I guess and it's like just very cutting the whole time you know when she goes all robotic I guess I could die another day all like that it's great Uh, also this was the time when we couldn't fast forward the film why because we used to watch it on these little screens on the back in the back of the car um yeah for long car jet we used to go on holiday to France (laughs) we had an invisible car and we had a little (laughs) my dad bought this little dvd player that you had to keep flat like a Walkman and then there was wow. a screen that attached, you had to Velcro it to the back of his, mm. their seat and so you couldn't fast forward, it just had play and stop. You put the DVD in and we'd take it in turns holding it flat because we'd get dead arms mm. but you couldn't fast forward so we had to sit through the whole of the Madonna opening credits and those James Bond opening credits are long. Yeah. They're long. And they're very sexy, they're always sexy. Aren't yeah, they're they? always sexy, they're all sexy. So not such a bad time in the back of the car. <laughs> With my brother. <laughs> With your brother. <laughs> Perving on the... Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans, yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com, designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbor, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a brand new Samsung A14 on them. Straight Talk Unlimited plans start at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Who wouldn't want a few extra bucks in their pocket? Straight Talk is a great everyday value on wireless. Plus, it all runs on the most reliable 5G network in America. So treat yourself to Straight Talk today. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Straight Talk utilizes the network with the most first place rankings and root metrics 1H 2023 5G reliability assessments of 125 metros. Results may vary. Not an endorsement. Donna. What is the film you used to love? You loved it. But you've watched it recently oh, and you've gone, oh no, I don't yeah. like this anymore. Even like, I even feel bad saying it. Because it meant so much to me at the time, but it's Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, wow. What did that do? I'm really into my football. Yeah? And... Who do you support? Leeds United. Okay. And growing up, I played football a lot. Yeah? For teams as well, you know, competitively. And I I was quite in a, a minority about that. So then to have a film that not only showed 
women in football, mm. but then the added pressure of being a minority, as in the girl is uh, from a very strict Asian family mm. and playing what is predominantly a men's sport. I remember thinking it's sort of that for... I, I guess everybody has that film, don't they, where they feel seen for the yeah. first time. But it got in all of the things that any girl who's grown up doing football has had, as in, like, all of the comments that the boys make or how much it means to you when one boy lets you play and the assumption about all women who play football are lesbians, mm -hmm. the, the the really solid team camaraderie that comes through it all. Like, it's got so many fantastic aspects. Also, I fancied the pants off Jonathan Rhys-Mayers. <laughs> um, I thought I was in that film, Keira Knightley. Yeah. I thought that was me. I was Jules in that film. It, because it just meant so much. It was Because I wasn't a girly girl, and all my friends, their favourite films were you know, Clueless or, or uh, Mean Girls, stuff mm. like that. Mean Girls is great. But uh, Clueless, Clueless or... Great. Clueless is great as well. <laughs> Bring it on. But, like, really yes. girly films. And I loved Bend It Like Beckham because right. it made it really, really, not just OK, but really cool to be a girl that liked football. I used to, like, proper... I wasn't ever good enough to... I mean, I could, I could take on the lads when we played in the park, in the field behind my house, but... In that film, they proper run circles around the lads, and I thought that was so cool, and I just wanted to be like that. And then at uni, I was having a movie night with my friend Liv, and I was like, you've not seen Bend It Like Beckham? She hadn't seen it. I was like, right, let's watch it. And I got it, and they, um, it's, it's actually not that good oh, no. writing or acting. The plot is still good. The acting's questionable. Mm. There's really strange one line like, that'll just come out of sort of nowhere. Right. Uh, Juliet Stevenson's in it, and she's brilliant. Yeah. But she's meant to be that character that Juliet Stevenson always plays, which is, you know, very eccentric and yeah. a worrier. But there's a few lines that just, looking back, they feel very shoehorned in to make a point rather than come across naturally. The soundtrack is terrible. Really? Yeah, there's a, there's a song that's played whenever, like, there's a hard-hitting scene. Yeah. And it, it just, it gives you a headache. It gives you a headache. And once my friend Liv started pointing out how irritating that song was, every scene when it came on, I also started to get irritated with it. It, it felt like, you know, when you tell your friends about another of your friends and you're like, oh, they're so yeah. funny, they're so, oh, you'd love them. And then they meet them and they're like, and that friend that you've been hyping up is either really quiet, doesn't yeah, come out yeah. with any of the jokes, or is a bit of a dick. And you're like, oh, <laughs> what, I hyped you up? Yeah. It just felt like that. I felt like... Bend it like Beckham had embarrassed me in front of Liv. You fucking yeah. Prick. Bend it like Beckham. Yeah, it was just. Mm. I remember. I think I romanticised it in my head growing up because of what it meant to me. But actually, as a film, looking at it in a subjective way, mm. it's pretty average. What a shame. Yeah, yeah. What's the film that means the most to you? Not because of the film itself necessarily, because the experience you had around seeing the film that will always make it special to you. Uh, that film is Inside Out, the Pixar film. Okay, now go on. Have you seen it? Listen, I called it on this podcast as the greatest film of the decade. No. Yeah. The greatest one of the decade. And listen, I weren't happy with that. I don't like it. You don't like it? As in, it was can't... a very painful experience to watch it. it, it right, it but, hits home, it hits hard. I think hard. it's the greatest film of the day. I think it's an incredible piece of work. So I watched this... Uh, in my third year of uni, mm -hmm. uh, which was a really tough year for me, I went. Wait, I went. To, I went to a drama school, 
called East 15. I always say mm. uni because I think if you say drama school, you sound a bit wanky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, right. uh, yeah, it was a drama school. And um, I had the best time in my first year. And the second year was, was good. And then third year, it was just a mixture of, like, I didn't like what the course had become and also had a horrendous breakup mm. that was with somebody in the course. Yeah. And it was... You know what actors can be like. There was only 17 of us. Yeah. And it was like just trying to keep that low and not let anybody else get an opinion or, or interfere on it or take a side. You just want you just want to be anywhere else but there, but you've mm. got to be around them the whole time. And so I was just really quite unhappy in third year. And uh, I went with my friend Gabs to see Inside Out because we just heard that it... I think we just wanted to go out, just us two, mm-hmm. away. And um, we went to the cinema and uh, we walked in and it was it was about a 300-seater, this cinema. It was pretty big. And we walked in and you walk in almost from the front next to the right. stage. And uh, I thought it was empty. And as a joke, I just sort of went up on the steps and went, Hello, Wembley! Like, just to make my friend laugh. Yeah. And from the back of the room, there was just one small voice that went, Hello! <laughs> and it was some little lady who'd come to watch it on her own. And I just laughed, uh, like, properly. And yeah. it was, like, the first time I'd felt really happy in a good few weeks. So I was already a little bit like, oh, God, I've, I've just laughed and it felt really good to laugh. Yeah. And I sat down expecting to watch some stupid, idiotic yeah. kids' film. And it was obviously, it turns out, it's all about your innermost emotions mm-hmm. and what you're feeling on the inside and what you're putting out on the outside and how that affects how you behave in. And I found myself crying at this film. And it was just a mixture of, like, knowing... I, I almost didn't want to leave the cinema because in that yeah. one room with just me, Gabs, and at the back of the room, that little lady, I'd laughed for the first time and then watched something that was like, oh, that is... It basically just explained what was going on in my head of like, yeah. oh, you've just got the balance wrong at the moment, but it's because of what's going on outside. And it was really, it, it sounds so stupid to be like, it took no. a Disney Pixar film to go and see it. But it, it was, and I just, we just sat there for a bit afterwards. And I just, I just felt really, really happy that I'd seen it. Yeah. And I went back and the rest of the year was tough, but it wasn't, I, I remember going back to my flat knowing it would be a bit all right because I knew I could just think of it in those, in those yeah. contexts then. It just made it, it made a really hard time a lot easier, both the film and just the pretext for it of doing that Hello Wembley and, and just laughing. Gig. First great gig. Yeah, first great gig, smashed it, smashed <laughs> it. Yeah, it's a good film, that. Oh, I love out. that. That is a perfect, perfect answer. Yeah. Uh, that film is, I've talked about it on here before, but it's, I think... Profound, genuinely yeah. profound, and I think it changed my life. I think it. Yeah, and uh, I, I feel helps. really happy that that's a film that kids are seeing. Yeah, growing up because I think I think it's like what we were chatting about at the start. Yeah, you're encouraged to talk about all of that stuff, but mm. it sometimes feels like we're having a conversation about mental health. Yeah, that's like a film that just completely normalises it. There was an interview with the director, writer, director, in I think it was in Empire this month, and he said how. You know, the message of Inside Out, which is sadness is important too. Yeah. He was like, you know, I got that was very hard to get that through yeah. because it's so anti sort of Hollywood uh-huh. storytelling, you know. Especially anti Hollywood kids' films. Yeah. It's like let's but everything's like, colourful and happy yeah, and that's the point, is you know. Yeah, you it's really special. Well. Wonderful. What is 
the film you most relate to? You're going to really turn your nose off at this, I think. It's a film that has a comedian as its writer and star, Mm -hmm. Amy Schumer. Yeah. The film is Trainwreck. Yeah. And I liked Trainwreck. Mm -hmm. I guess for similar reasons that at the time I really liked Bend It Like Beckham. I like Trainwreck because in Hollywood it's always the girl that can't get the guy and she's upset about what she can't, like, you know, I'm, I'm... trying to find my Mr. Right and I'm not his Mrs. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's constant like, oh, I'm single and I don't, I can't get the relationship and these guys just want to be single. This was this is a film about a young woman who just likes being single yeah. and men are disposable to her. Yeah. They're appreciated that, like, she likes men, she likes dating, she likes sex, but she just doesn't want a relationship. And that's not down to her having something wrong it's not down to her having some weird daddy issues. It's not down to her being the fact that she can't maintain a relationship. She doesn't want one. Yes. And it's the guys, like, I mean, yeah, it goes a bit far in the fact that it's John Cena who is trying to, <laughs> who's really emotional and really yeah. trying to tie her down. But I've always been like that. I really enjoy, I'm in a relationship now, and um, a relationship <laughs> that I think will be forever. Wow. But before my boyfriend, mm-hmm. I was very much, like... Out and about. Yeah, yeah, and I liked that, and I really liked being single, and I would... I'd go out with guys if I liked them, but I found that soon enough, I enjoyed my own... I'm really good in my own company. I really like... I'll go to cinema on my own. I'll go for food on my own before a gig. I'm really good in my own company. I quite like it. And I would often just... I enjoyed being single because you can date, mm-hmm. but I didn't... I wasn't bothered about forming a a one-on-one relationship with someone where I've got to devote my time to someone else because it's my time. Genuinely, that's how I would, uh, that's how I'd be. And I don't think you should be made to feel bad for that. When I think back to any boyfriends I had before my boyfriend now, they weren't ever particularly long. And it was always me that broke it off. And it was always because they were taking up too much time and I'd go... Look, you're you're more in this than I am, and I I don't I don't feel it. I've had a lot of people on this podcast. I've had a lot of comedians on this podcast. You are far and away the most mentally healthy really uh, <laughs> uh, comedian I've ever met. It's quite off brand for a comedian, yeah, isn't it? I'm sorry, that's brilliant. What, I didn't know that until I got into comedy, and then I met yeah. all you not all you nutters. Yeah, and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Is this? what's wrong with everyone? Um, what's your boyfriend done that's um, so, what's he done that's so fucking great <laughs> <laughs> that's made you want, um, like, oh, no, I want to stick around? Just dead relaxed, not intense, mm. not bothered about, you know, spend, spending all of this time, not bothered about texts in the morning and, and yeah. you know, uh, making conversation. If you haven't got something to say, just don't, you don't need to say it. I, I remember, like, going out with lads who, who you'd wake up being like, morning, how are you? You'd be like, I've mm. been horizontal and unconscious for seven hours. There's nothing to update you on. I fell asleep texting you and I've woken up to a text going, how are you? There is nothing to update you on. And it's boring. Yeah. And my boyfriend now is just pretty pretty chill. It's just like a best mate that, that you fancy. Love it. Um, and I think especially with what we do, you, you need someone who, who can be quite understanding of that sporadic... Hmm. schedule and lifestyle like as we're recording this i'm going to australia tomorrow morning for two months yeah and 
I can safely say with any of the lads I've dated before, if I said that, their immediate reaction would be, oh, God, that's a long time, two months. Should I come out and see you? Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things. OK, well, we'll have to schedule FaceTimes, X, Y, Z. Mike was like, that's great, well done, that's going to be brilliant for your career. Off you fuck. Like, that was it. <laughs> what a guy. Um, so it's nice. It's nice, and I, I think... I think it's healthy as well that he was probably, I don't want to assume here, but I think he was probably the same as me before May. Right. You know, not a relationship hopper, very happy in his own company. Yeah, I, I, I really related to Amy Schumer's character in that because she was so unapologetic about it. Yeah. Whereas, like, take Bridesmaids, for example. Yes. Which I also love yes. and think is a brilliant film. Yes. And I, I related to Kristen Wiig's character up until the point that she was not happy about the fact that she was right. single. So I'm probably, in my group of friends, that that Kristen yeah. Wiig character. But with an Amy but, Schumer... But with an Amy Schumer attitude. I'm not it. looking for my Chris O'Dowd. You're I'm a, batting off my John Cena's. You're a, wig with, <laughs> you're a wig with a Schumer core. I'm a wig with a Schumer core, yeah. Maisie Adams, what's the sexiest film you've ever seen? Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> the sexiest film, yeah. this is... I've just done this whole spiel about, oh, I'm really not a romantic. Like, I'm actually very, uh, uh, yeah, bash and dash. Uh, (laughs) But the sexiest film is, Mm. for me, The Notebook, which everyone I know will hear that and go, what? No, you melt. That's romance. That's not sexy. But your classic sexy stuff, like Fifty Shades of Mm. Grey, I can't watch that and just not laugh. I just laugh. Yeah. Whereas... Kissing in the Rain in Notebook. Kissing in the Rain. It's very sexy. And, oh, this is so too much detail, but they kiss in the rain Mm. and then he takes her into the house and they have sex Mm. when they're still really soaking wet from the rain. And it's her first time because it's of a time where women shouldn't have sex before marriage. No, absolutely Um, not. And if you remember earlier in the film, they nearly do it when they're kids. Yeah, You know, when they're like, yeah out of wedlock, risking of a bastard child. Uh, They nearly have sex and then they meet all of those years later and they kiss in the rain and then they go and do it. But it's not his first time, it's hers. Mm. So I feel like talking about it now, I'm like, oh, it's so like, oh, she's the virgin bride. But at the time when I was watching it, I was a teenager and you're thinking about all of those Mm. like sex things and... I think I was a virgin when I first watched it and was like, oh, maybe that'll be my first time. It'll be with a guy who's really good because he's done it loads and he'll pick me up in the rain and take me to a big house and ruin my brains out. Like, Is that what happened? No. No, it was very, it was very not, not the case. Mm. It, was, it was behind a bush on prom night. Yeah. We, did we you dream, know the guy? We dream. Yes, I did, yes. Were you, were you together for a bit no it was yeah. a it was a train wreck situation okay. it was a it was in bash fact and, it was as a, you call it a bash and dash it was a bash well it was a bash and dash it was what i thought was going to be a bash and dash and then it lingered it was a yeah. bash and then oh oh you like me yeah, and well, i'm quite happy to just yeah get better at sex and I'll, right. I'll i'll put in some shifts with you i sound i'm coming across so no. bad on this podcast but do you know david tell yeah. David Tell uh, has one of my favourite jokes for time where he says, um, don't you ever wish you could have sex with the first person you had sex with again just to show them how good you got? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he goes, look who's not crying like <laughs> a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think um, I think that the way she loses her virginity yeah. in the notebook is probably the way most girls envisioned it. Yeah. With Ryan Gosling in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. No um, one envisions it in a bush. No. I don't think. No. I can't speak for but everyone. That's how, this is what I mean. To quote Parasite again, don't make a plan. Yeah. I'm sure he was talking about my virginity when he said that. He was talking about a bush, yeah. Yeah. Was it, was it warm outside? It was June. Okay. So it was all right. I feel better about this. But June in the UK, so... In the north? In the north. Yeah, a bit, yeah. A bit chilly. Yeah. Ah, we live and learn. Yeah. We live and learn. Well done, anyway. What's, On losing my virginity. Yeah, no, Thanks. Congratulations. Thanks. What's the... There's a subcategory. Yes. Troubling boners, worrying why does. Oh, God, yeah. What's the film you I'm found so arousing? embarrassed about this. You weren't sure. <laughs> okay, I'm, It's another Christmas film. It's The Grinch. Okay. The Jim Carrey one. Yes, love it. I just think... Right Go on. First of all, everyone loves a bad boy. <laughs> and they don't come much better they than the Grinch. They don't come badder than the Grinch. Yeah. But he's so <coughs> funny in it, and I just yeah. think funny is such an attractive trait. Mm-hmm. He's funny, he's... Green. Uh, he's green. <laughs> Love a green guy. Yeah. Uh, he, well, he's really funny, and he's really critical of all of the bullshit that's around him. He's like the ultimate fuckboy, isn't he? He's like... Oh, I'm just really against the system. Yeah, I just... He's, the Grinch would definitely be into conspiracy theories, mm. I feel. But really fun. I love Jim Carrey, full stop, to be honest. But I used to find the naughtiness of the Grinch quite... Uh, no, it's really bad, isn't it? it? No. Quite... Uh, I'm not going to say arousing, but intriguing in a way that made me... Aroused. <laughs> aroused, yeah. Yeah. That, that gave me a wide on. OK. I, think... I got wide for the Grinch. So your 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 wig with a core of Schumer, fucking a Grinch. Yeah, yeah. Wig with the core of Schumer with the sex with the with the sexual appetite of a of, green carrot. Yeah, yeah. I love it. What a guy. What's the greatest film of all time, objectively? I feel. Do you know what? I actually feel nervous. Yeah. Telling you this, yeah. I would go for Little Miss Sunshine. Hands in the air. <laughs> First of all, I think that young girl is one of the best characters yeah. in any film, and she's fantastic in that. I really like, as in my taste in general, for sitcoms and films, anything where there's really dysfunctional relationships, mm-hmm. yet it's still really warm. I was thinking, I was saying that about um, this country the other day. There's not one functional relationship in that <laughs> sitcom, but it's so warm, yeah, and it's so human, and it's so nice mm. because it's so dysfunctional and i think that's the case with little miss sunshine they're all so messed up but that's why it's lovely i, I just i just love it i really really love the the grandpa's relationship with the little girl and the routine i i hate the dad really hate yeah. him really hate him and i think it made me realize steve carell is a bloody good actor as oh well i don't just seen him in comedy stuff and here he is playing this suicidal mm. gay man. Like it's it's he's heartbreaking in that yeah. in that film sometimes. Really talented though. Really yeah. talented though. And Paul Dano. Mm. That that bit where he realizes he can't be a pilot because he's colourblind. Mm. It's it's devastating. It, that's the thing is you a bit like what we were on about with Parasite. You go through all the motions yeah. in that film. You're laughing hysterically at Olive and the grandpa. You're fuming at the dad. 
you feel terrible for the mum and then it's devastating with the lad. Mm. So all of those emotions, by the time it gets to the end and they're running to get Olive to that beauty pageant and she gets up there, it, yeah. you feel yourself almost joining in with the cheering. Like, you, yeah. get, you get on board with it. I just, I just love it. I really, really like it. You can have it. Thank you. What is the film you can or have watched the most over and over again? <laughs> it is Mean Girls. Oh, Great. It is Mean Girls. Uh, for my generation, I think, of girls, mm-hmm. it just... And probably other generations as well, but it just got everything right. Yeah. It got everything right. Everybody went to school with a Regina George and a Gretchen. It was really, really well-made, well-written. I remember feeling really happy when I, when I found out it was Tina Fey who wrote it. I yeah, didn't know that. Yeah. And I didn't know that until I would say... I would say it was, uh, yeah, it was around 10 years later that I discovered that it was written by Tina Fey. And those were around, you know, a teenager by that point and very much become a strong feminist. And I was really happy that it had been written by a woman. It's so funny. It's so bang on. It's so quotable. It's so relatable. Yeah, it's brilliant. You You can watch it when you're hungover. You can watch it when you're upset. You can watch it when you need a good giggle. Yeah. You can whack out a quote in front of other people and someone will say it back to you. It's Everyone can bond over Mean Girls. And like what we were saying earlier, if someone did the whole atheist thing with Mean Girls, if they were that dickhead that was like, I actually think Mean Girls is pretty mm. overrated. Ow. Ow. I don't bash, they just dash. Yeah. <laughs> no bash or dash. No. What is uh, the film that made you laugh the most? The film... You're in comedy. What's the funniest to you? And I don't mean funniest, I mean the one that made you laugh the most. The film that made me laugh the most... This is hard for a comedian to say as well because you feel like it should be something really highbrow and really Mm. intelligent and really witty. But I can't lie. And the, the, the film that has made me laugh the most, at its sheer ridiculousness, is Superbad. Nice answer. Superbad was very nearly my answer for the one where you watch it back yes. and it's not as good. I and watch it back and it's quite problematic. It's very problematic, yes. It's quite problematic in a lot of places. The yeah. whole storyline where Jonah Hill plans on getting her drunk yeah. because that's the only way she'll sleep with him. Mm. That is really not okay yeah. in a post-Me Too era. However, it's sort of like the blokes, if we're talking in gender stereotypical Ways Which here. of course we are. Of course we are. It's sort of like a blokey Mean Girls, I think, yeah. in that it's got all of those characters that we all had at school. It's got a lot of relatable content in there. It's got brilliant one-liners. Mm. I think Jonah Hill is one of the best and funniest actors. Yeah. The bits that I'm led to think of when I think of what's made me laugh the most are mainly... There's, there's nothing about the storyline of him wanting to get her drunk to sleep with him that is making me laugh. I would like that on record. OK, but thank you. Cut that the out, bits buddy. <laughs> you edit it, so it's, yeah. what's, your, what's the best film of all time? It'll just go super bad because he plans on getting a woman drunk to sleep with him. The, the funny bits are all pretty much McLovin. Yeah. McLovin, that Fogel character is brilliant and... Michael Sears' horrendous awkwardness in it. Because mm. you watch it and you're laughing at him, but you also know that you were that awkward at some points in your life. Like, yeah. even that thing of when he says goodbye and just walks the same way as her. <laughs> um, God, and I was, I was 
I feel like I need to point out that whole spiel about when I was on about train wreck, that's what I've been like in my adult life, my early 20s. At yeah. school, hopeless. No bashing. Hopeless. No, no bashing. Yeah. A real late bloomer. Right. And... I suspect that's probably why I became really good at my own company, because I was like, oh, no-one's bothered. I guess I'll just make fun with myself. Um, <laughs> uh, that sounded like that was a euphemism yeah, for yeah, masturbating, like, I'll didn't just it? take myself to this uh, bush. <laughs> um, but I think I was really awkward with mm. the opposite sex at school. Really, really awkward and very unsuccessful. So there was an element of the... I could relate to the desperateness of... of yeah. Those two in, in Superbad. And the desperateness to be cool, the desperateness to to have someone fancy you, the knowing that they're way out of your league, but you still think, maybe it could happen. Maybe. Yeah. Like, it could. And the only way it can happen is at these parties that you don't get an invite to anyway. So it's, it is a real game to try and get to that point. It's like, OK, I've got to get an invite. Then I've got to persuade that person to go to the same party. Then I've got to get them on their own and make sure that they think I'm cool. None of this ever happened, by the way. I, I didn't get the invites to the parties. I would be doing drama stuff with the drama kids. Mm. We'd all be virgins citing Shakespeare. Wow. What's the worst film I ever made? <laughs> it's recent. Go it's on. recent. It's not cats. Okay. It's last Christmas. Wow, that's very you seen recent. It? No, I've not seen it. My favourite thing to be doing since watching Last Christmas yeah. is to tell people I've seen the worst film in the world. It's mm. Last Christmas, and they go, "Oh, I've not seen it." And I go, "Okay, it's based around the music of George Michael, which it's not. Yeah. It's just a film where occasionally George Michael is playing in the background." Right. And I go. I say to, to whoever I'm talking to, I go, say the lyrics. Don't sing, just say the lyrics mm. of Last Christmas I gave you my... Of, you know, Last Christmas. Yeah. And they say, Last Christmas I gave you my heart. And they stop and they realise, fuck, that's the twist. <laughs> it's a film about a man yeah. who gave... It's a film about a heart transplant. Mm. And she's imagining Him. that he's real and they've had a whole romance. Yeah. I think it's really poorly written. The twist is terrible. <laughs> There's such bad shoehorning of very pat-ourselves-on-the-back politics mm -hmm. into the... I think it's really dangerous yeah. to... Comedians and actors and anybody really in the arts tends to have the same political views, myself included. Mm -hmm. Fairly left, fairly liberal. Yeah. And especially at the moment, post-Brexit, in a very turbulent time, mm -hmm. of course it's important we share them, but... With film, I think you go for a bit of escapism. I also think if you are going to put across a message that is to do with your views, you need to do it cleverly. You need to do it kind of like how Parasite does. Yet again, yeah. we're drawn back to that. But you come out of that and you think, God, it is such a fucking unfair divide between yeah. rich. It's so huge. And it's and are they bad people for just wanting a bit of that? You, mm. It's cleverly done. In Last Christmas, there's just suddenly a shoe-on scene. Like, for example, when they're... They get on the bus and speak, there's two uh, people who I think are Polish uh, speaking in Polish to each other and a big white thug says, you want to live here, you've got to speak our language, go back to your own country. And they look really upset, the thug gets off the bus and then the character goes up to him and is like, just want you to know you are welcome in this country. And it's, lo it's a lovely sentiment, but it has nothing to do with the plot it feels really just suddenly like 
because I think I know, because I follow Emma Thompson on social media, I see a lot of her activism mm. as well. And I, I feel like there's no way of making this point without sounding like I wave with straight arms. But there's an element of it feeling a little bit anti-good. Mm. Anti-good for making this comment about... Yeah. There's just suddenly... Like, the shots... I remember there's a shot where they're sat in the living room mm. and they're watching the TV and it's just loads of vote leave people right. in their union jacks. And the mum's just going, oh, it's terrible out there. And you think, it, it does nothing to unite. I think it just does further to polarise and makes that argument again of like, oh, we're the good ones because we're on the left mm. and they're terrible because they're on, they're not even on the right, they just voted. Late. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it just felt a really poor film with a poor script, a bad twist and shoehorned patting on the back political commentary. So would you watch a sequel? Uh, you'd have to pay me. You'd have to pay me. Uh, Maisie Adams, you have been excellent. Um, however, yeah. <clears throat> when uh, Storm Chiara came and you yes. were in your, in your study, uh, basement flat, much like Parasite, and yeah. you were writing on your waterproof <coughs> sheets of paper... Your boyfriend, he'd read the news. He was like, I'm not staying down yeah, here. And you were like, don't be silly. Stay with me. And he was like, nah, you're fine on your own. You've made that very, very clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See you, like, train wreck. Yeah, and, you, and you, you were like, do you not even want to hang out with me? And he's like, I can do, but you haven't seen that bothered. And you were like, I'm not bothered. <laughs> and then he left. Bash right? and dash. Ba he, he bash he and dash. He came back to bite me yeah. on the bum. And then uh, the water came through the windows and you thought, nah, it'll be fine. You kept writing your comedy. And then your room filled up with water, mm -hmm. and you very slowly and quite um, horrifically drowned. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah. I thought it was quite but, peaceful. Was it horrific? Well, it was peaceful. I'm joking. Oh, it God. was instant. It was instant. <laughs> she felt no pain. You had one big swallow of all the water. Your lungs <laughs> Said exploded. Said the actress to the bishop. And you died. And anyway, I've been like, I got a second maze. I thought... Uh, she ain't come to London to do gigs for a while, so I've gone down to Brighton and I've thought, oh, look at this mess. Classic Goldstein. The, uh, your boyfriend's locked the door to the bedroom, so you've just been marinating in this water. It's now, like, not great. I'm a chutney. Not great state. Yeah. Anyway, over the door, water goes everywhere. Your body, now it's a bloated carcass. Oh, Brett. It's not what I was expecting. It's huge. So I've got a coffin, but it's the size of you. It wasn't the size of you waterlogged. So I've had to, like, cut you up like a bit of fucking whale meat. And I'm, what? Yeah, and I'm pushing all the bits of you I can in the oh, coffin. No. And the coffin is absolutely jammed. There's too ram much. Of, there's ram packed in there. And there's only enough room to slide one DVD down the side with you to take to the other side. And, and God, it's DVD and not a VHS. Exactly. And it's movie night every night, and on the, and one night it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone in heaven? Kill Bill. Volume one or two? No, it's a it's a special edition one where you get one disc on each side. So it's Kill Bill one and two. I am so sorry. The no, rules are one no, DVD. No, no, Brett, let me. Surely it's the same film, though. I have this argument so many times. It's the same... Like, narrative split into two halves. Tarantino was being a wanky dick. If you can get it on one disc, you can have it, but I don't believe it was released separately. You're going to have to pick well, one. Well, then I'll have to pick one, then, of won't course I? Because I can't pick up halfway. Right. Do you think? Do you yeah. not make volume two? I do, but I prefer volume One is so fun. Yeah. And two I is think... like a bit, a tiny, tiny, tiny bit boring. Shh, don't tell the others. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's carried on with a psycho jaws. It's really uh, good. It's a little bit boring. Is it? 
do you think? In, uh, in the way that one is never boring, two is sometimes a little bit boring. But I love it. Okay. Don't tell the others. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it'll be Kill Bill, Kill Bill 1. Kill Bill Volume 1. No one else taking it to having a lovely time. Maisie Adams, is there anything people should look out for? Uh, Storm Kiara. Yeah, Storm like Kiara. <laughs> sounds like it. Uh, no, I'm off to Australia for two. I don't. Well, I might Australia. be back by then. I might yeah. have a tan. I might have an Australian accent. Yeah, you've got your own podcast. Yes, I do. What's yes, it called? it's called That's a First, and it's with Tom Lucy. Look out for that. Cheers, uh, Brett. Maisie Adams, you've been an absolute delight. It's been so brilliant. much fun. Oh, brilliant! I've loved it. Thank, Thank you, you for coming. Have a lovely uh, afterlife, and, <laughs> and that is also what I mean when I say enjoy Australia. <laughs> Goodbye. So that was episode 84. Get your tickets for the live show, February 26th, with Tom Allen at the Islington Town Hall. Get them from the Dice app and the website. And head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 15 minutes of chat and a secret from Maisie Adams. Go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. If you have a look, people have been doing it. Oh, some lovely stories. You'll love it over there. Plus, if you do that, it helps numbers, means more people see it. I can keep making it more, and can keep drinking craft beer. We can all be happy and live forever and ever until we all have to die. Thank you so much to Maisie for doing the show and for being so great. And thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week, where I think what I will be doing is putting out, finally... Films of last year and the second half of the films of the decade with Mr Nish Kumar. How about that? Why not? It's never too late, is it? Let's do that. I think we will. Okay. Anyway, in the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour, Maureen. Yeah, thank you.